Hello, welcome to the Hunt Podcast with Christian, Micah, and I'm Garrett. We hey, are... Garrett. Hey. hey. <laughs> we are joining you today um, to discuss the next ism. We Last week we started this new series called Isms in the Church, Isms in Our Culture. Last week we talked about postmodernism. Today we're talking about progressivism. Um, so this is kind of a, a new topic for us something that i think is also like postmodernism of last week is infiltrating culture and the church and um, it's something that we need to discuss and think about and look at the implications of um so we're going to do that today i'm doing the introduction because it's eight or nine in the morning and i'm not eating anything so yeah exactly it's a little a little bit yeah. different today yeah I'm hold excited. On, hold on, why are you not eating are you <laughs> <laughs> I don't eat until lunch, so... Uh, this is, uh, I'm excited to uh, progress forward in this series. But um, I'm also <laughs> dressed like a Mormon today. I don't know if you yeah. all know that. Garrett rode his bike here <laughs> this morning. <laughs> if I, I called Wendell this morning because I was looking for a suit jacket, and he said if you put on a straw hat, you'd be an Amish person. <laughs> yeah, well, there, you, there you go. I just want to say sorry, listeners. We were talking about air horns before. Christian we wanted to play an air horn, so he <laughs> found one on his phone. And but not only did I find an air horn, and I don't know why, this might be our home moment for the day. There's a 10-hour-long air horn on YouTube. What? <laughs> I don't know why you would need an air horn for 10 hours. 10 hours? But it's got 3.4 million views, and it's just 10 hours of air horn. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I feel like we should do something with that. I don't know. There's something there. How do you get 3.4 million views on a 10-hour air horn? I think crazy. a view is just but, like a click. So someone probably saw a 10-hour air horn. It's like, no way, and like clicked on it. <laughs> but here's the best part. You know, like, you could post a YouTube video about, like, somebody doing something awesome for the poor and it'll get 10,000 dislikes. Yeah. This one has 25,000 likes and only 2.7 thousand dislikes. That's amazing. That is... That is wild. It's probably like the least disliked video <laughs> on YouTube Oh right my now. goodness. Based on views. Based yeah. on views, Air yeah. horns aren't controversial. <laughs> yeah. Hey. But feeding the poor is. Exactly. So. Jeez. Oh, That's awesome. <laughs> now, it's a... I, I'm glad we're talking about this right after we talk about post. Yeah, air oh, horns. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I have air horn collection at home. And <laughs> you would. No, but it I'm sounds glad. like something you would have. <laughs> something weird. Like I remember that. being in camp, and the worst part about camp was the the youth ministers coming around and blowing air horns in your face to wake you up. Oh, did, oh, did you dude. all ever have? We that? went to a mission trip. We used to Never go on mission that. trips. They're called group work camps. <laughs> They wake you up with VeggieTales songs over the school oh intercom. Oh, my God. And it's not like the, you know, like they're, they're all like super obnoxious, you know, like, yeah. oh, where is my hairbrush? Oh, where? And then See, so, I would rather be woke up by VeggieTales well, than air horn. We they are come, the they come on the pirates who don't do anything. Yeah, exactly. They come, the on the, they come on the intercom, don't do anything. and they first they yell, wakey, wakey, work campers. And then they play that song for like five minutes. I would claw my eyes out. It's and and you also gotta realize it's at like six fifteen, six thirty in the morning. So it's not like it's at like nine. I mean, it's at like early, early, and it's miserable. What camp was this? It's called group work camps. I mean, it worked to their to their credit. It worked because no one slept through it. I mean, um, but it was super obnoxious. The kids would hate it. Of course, they hated it. But that's all they talked about. For the next year, oh, that's yeah, what they remembered, best. yeah. And so they laughed about it when you weren't there. But when you're there and you've worked for you know seven, <laughs> eight hours that day, and you work pretty hard at those, and, uh, and then you get woken up to that is and funny. lights out is at like eleven, which I thought was too late anyway. 
you know, yeah. you then wake up at like 6.30. I'm like, gosh, yeah, that's brutal. Camp slavery. And, and lights out at 11 really means like they fall asleep at like 12. Midnight. Yeah, exactly. Midnight. Yeah, lights out just means, oh, <laughs> I brush my teeth yeah, and I'm in bed. <laughs> laughing. <laughs> <laughs> Someone farts. And you're like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so there's your uh, mission trip uh, overview. So, okay, now we'll get to progressive. <laughs> well, that's just uh, Christian camp Sorry. at all. It is. Yeah, it every is. time. <laughs> <laughs> We always stayed up. Sorry, this is going nowhere. But <laughs> we always stayed up and um, quoted movie quotes, <laughs> and just like laying in bed, and our youth pastor is yelling at us, "Go to bed!" Yeah. And then somebody would be like, "Life's a garden, dig it." <laughs> <laughs> just like quote Joe Dirt or something. Oh and, my gosh! Uh, yeah, we never had the air horn, but my youth pastor could whistle super loud, oh, and he I woke can't. us up at six thirty with a whistling. Oh, and that was. That hurt. There was one time, shout out to uh, Robbie Paul. Hey, Robbie Paul, shout out, brother. Yeah, Robbie. Um, <laughs> we, the, <laughs> we had, I had, we, we had a band in high school um, that I was in, and um, there was like two of us that actually knew how to play an instrument, but you know, we, we threw it together. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but we, we had all this band equipment that we went out and bought. Like we had raised, did fundraisers to make money so that we could buy band equipment. <laughs> and we bought this really nice electric guitar amp. And I mean, it was, it's called a, a Fender Frontman, and it's, it's a really good amp. Um, and Robbie, there was someone that was on night duty where you just stay up all night and make sure the kids don't go crazy. And, they fell asleep as we were about to wake up and Robbie took that amp and put it right next to his head and just blasted the oh guitar gosh. into his face. And he was so <laughs> mad. mad. Oh, and man. it was so bad. Like he turned it so loud that it like the amp now has problems. Like, <laughs> like it doesn't reverberate Holy correctly. Cow. But Probably yeah. So. Thinking about it. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Yeah. Progressive Christianity. Hmm. Progressivism. Huh. Hmm. <laughs> so what is uh, progressivism in the first place? Is it is it a religious? Is it a... Um, do you all know what it is? No. Yeah, I mean... Oh, yeah, I mean, yeah. Yeah, yeah, we yeah. know what it is. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it, I mean it, really, it's, it's political, and it, it comes from, you know, in politics, progressivism is more on social reform. Yeah. And... Um, so it's, it's really like a, a social reform, an ethical way to look at life um so like if you um for example um look at uh in in the political aisle you have conservatives and liberals and now you have this new um view of politics called leftists um leftists would be considered kind of like ultra progressives where it's um, every every decision you make is about social reform. Every decision that impacts your every decision that you do politically speaking is about ensuring that everyone has a fair shake. Everyone um, has economic growth. Everyone is is on like level playing field. That that's kind of progressivism. It's a, it's a polit- it starts as a political philosophy, but it has also begun to infiltrate religion as well and 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 the start you know we're not saying that progressivism is bad because it's trying to bring social reform i mean the the basis of progressivism is good it's inherently good um to desire to you know to take away um racial tensions to take away economic um differences you know 
it's basically trying to advance society from a social standpoint. Um, that, that's not a bad thing. The issue is it, it, it sometimes goes about that the wrong way. Um, a lot of times progressive, progressive people will make decisions that will ultimately hurt the long run simply for the sake of of social reform or, or growth. Um, now, within Christianity, progressivism has caused kind of a trend of moving farther away from biblical grounds. It's not as focused on being grounded in Scripture as it is being grounded in modern scientific advancement, modern social politics, modern, like anything modern. So like a progressive Christian would state that first and foremost, their most important task as a Christian is to recognize the issues of modern times. The Bible is not their their initial, their, their most important, um, I guess, uh, stepping stool. Like they're not as concerned with not their script. foundation. Yeah, the Bible's not their foundation. Modern issues is their foundation, and fixing those modern issues. And so much so, um, if you go to progressivechristianity.org, um, they have the eight what is called the eight points of progressive Christianity. What what it's basically their um, what would you call it? Their their core values, I guess. Yeah. Um, their creed. Yeah, their creed, <laughs> and. And so, like, one of the things that they say, which is really mind-boggling to me, their second, their second core value is, we affirm that the teachings of Jesus provide but one of many ways to experience God. So, so like, it's, they don't want to upset other religions. They don't want to upset um, other people of different backgrounds. So they'll say, you know, you know Jesus was a historical figure, Jesus, they also refer to Jesus as a teacher, um, not God incarnate, and they say he's just one way to reach God, not not the only way. Um, and and in saying this, this isn't speaking to all progressive Christians. You know, there's kind of levels of it. Like, this is really the far side of progressing Christianity. There's some that are just saying, you know, conventional conservative Christians don't care enough about social reform yeah. like we're called to do. So I'm going to label myself as a progressive Christian, but they might not say that Jesus is just one way to God. Mm-hmm. Um, there's different levels of it now, but but like the fullness of progressive Christianity, this, this is what they would um, believe. It's about inclusivism um, to all people. Um, it's about reaching anyone and not saying that Jesus is the only way, right. um, which we said last week, you know, if you stand on the truth of Scripture, you can't make that claim. You can't make the claim that Jesus isn't the only way because Scripture stands true. Um, and, and so there, there's there's a lot of there's a lot of fallacies within progressivism in regards to progressive Christianity because it kind of contradicts Scripture. Yeah. Um, so in order to be a progressive Christian to its fullness, you have to take the stance that Scripture is errant. That it's inaccurate. That there are, um, it was written. A lot of progressive Christians will view Scripture from a archaeological lens, a historical lens, not a supernatural. Yeah. Lens. They see the Bible as a human book. Yeah, that, that it was. It was written. Of course, it was written by like forty different authors, but they just see 
that it was written by 40 different authors and not mm-hmm. through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and and <clears throat> I say all this, you know, and, and part of progressivism within Christianity is a re- refute to the fact that, you know, a lot of conservative Christians have neglected the poor. We've neglected social yeah. reform. We've neglected reaching ethnic minorities. We've We've kind of put it all on the back burner, which, you know, Jesus would probably be appalled with. We're called to reach as Jesus spent time with prostitutes and tax collectors and lepers and, and sinners. And, and, and yeah, like he spent time with the outcasts of society. Progressivism, that's their main concern. The issue is they're so uh, progressive Christians are often so concerned with social reform that they contradict the Bible while doing it. Right. Um, so conservative Christians need to take a modern approach in the sense that, or not even modern approach, a biblical approach to social reform of reaching these people without contradicting Scripture at the same time. Yeah. And what's with with progressivism, what happens is Garrett mentioned with, they, they are inclusive with everybody, that, that mm-hmm. everybody is included, everybody, we want to reach everybody, which is good, um, and as the Christian mindset, you know, our goal is to we should accept everybody in the church. You know, I think the church has had a bad rap on that over the years is that, oh, you only accept the people that's within your church. If they don't look like your church or if they don't uh, believe what your church believes in, then we don't accept them. But what Jesus has called us to do is to accept everybody. But there's a difference between accepting everybody and accepting everybody's beliefs and actions as true. And, and I think that's where progressive Christianity and, and what you might see uh, maybe in the future of uh, some of the church is is that they're going to want uh, progressive Christianity wants to include everybody and say, hey, almost like we talked about in postmodernism, hey, your truth, that's your truth. Uh, hey, we're with you. Or as Garrett talked about, they might believe that there's more than one way to God. And, and probably on the far side of progressive progressive Christianity is that they say, hey, there's more ways to God than one. Like, hey, maybe uh, Islam and uh, Hinduism and and Jehovah Witness and you name it, they all are on their own journey to God, which is very dangerous, especially when you think about the Christian faith is, yes, we are accepting or we should be accepting of everyone, but that doesn't mean we have to accept their beliefs. You know, we talk about in John, you know, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. In Mm -hmm. John chapter 14, verse 6, he is the only way, uh, and he is the only absolute truth, and he is our life. But but progressive Christianity would not agree with that statement. Yeah, there's Mm -hmm. a, uh, I was telling them earlier, there's a a movement called um, the Jesus Project, and don't be fooled by that name. It's not a project to to worship or venerate Jesus as a project to disprove the supernatural reality of Jesus, that that they kind of tried to, they look at Jesus from a his, historical lens, from a archaeological lens, and they don't disprove, they don't, they're not trying to disprove his authenticity. I mean, they would if they could, but there's too much historical information on Jesus to say that he wasn't an actual figure, but they try to disprove his supernatural being. So their goal is to say, to show how every miracle of Jesus isn't actually something that occurred supernaturally, that it was something that was physical occurrence. Now this project, the reason I bring it up, it's because it has arisen out of this trend towards progressive Christianity, towards, you know, really kind of 
bringing Christianity, trying to bring Christianity into a secular view where it's, you know, Christianity isn't, doesn't have to be focused on the supernatural. The supernatural doesn't have to exist for you to be Christian. Jesus doesn't have to be God in order for us to to worship God, which which kind of is all contradictory to one to itself. But you know, it's you know, the the people that are in charge of this project would call themselves Christians, but at the same time, which is ironic, they're trying to disprove the supernatural nature of Christ. Um, so, with that being said, I, I want to draw our attention, you know, we have to realize that if this progressive nature, this progressive view of Christianity grows within the church, we're in danger of, of losing sight of our faith as a whole. Um, I want to draw our attention then to the book of Judges. Um, now, obviously, the book of Judges happened before Jesus was... Uh, lived uh, before God became incarnate. Um, the book of Judges covers the time when Joshua, when, when Moses has died, Joshua takes over and leads Israel into the promised land, and then Joshua dies. And so there's this vacuum of leadership within Israel. There's no one that kind of comes over and takes charge. Israel has begun dispersing into the promised land, into Canaan, there's 12 tribes just kind of roaming throughout. No one's there to lead them. And we come to this introduction verse in, in Judges chapter 2, verse 10, and it says that whole generation, this is talking about Joshua's generation, um, it says that that whole generation was also gathered to their ancestors. And after them, another generation rose up who did not know the Lord or the works he had done for Israel. And then the very next verse says, the Israelites did what was evil in the Lord's sight. They worshiped the Baals and abandoned the Lord, the God of their fathers, who had brought them out of Egypt. They followed other gods and, and the surrounding peoples and bowed down to them. They angered the Lord. So the point is that the, the hinge verse of, over the entire book of Judges is that whole generation that came after those that came out of the wilderness, came out of Egypt, they didn't know the Lord. They didn't know the works of the Lord. They didn't, they, they hadn't been taught it. And as a result, it was easy for them to abandon the Lord. It was easy for them to not connect to the supernatural power of the Lord. It was easy for them to forget what God had done because they hadn't been told it. They hadn't experienced it. They hadn't revered it. And so it was, you know, it, it was just kind of a, 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 a logical step for them to go from Yahweh to, you know, yeah, we'll try to fit in with these other cultures. We'll try to, you know, we'll just add their gods to our God. We'll just be like them. And the church is in danger of doing that as well. If we try to be so inclusive, if we try to be so, um, if we focus more on, um, on fitting into the world than reaching the world with our faith, we'll end up bringing a, a pluralistic view or pluralism into our faith, which then corrupts our faith. And and Jesus wants us to reach people. We're called to reach people. We're called to reach the lost, to, to evangelize, to show everyone that Jesus is the only way, the truth, and the life. But if we forget that that's true, if we forget his supernatural power, if we forget the way that he has worked throughout history, if we forget that Scripture is God-breathed and is inerrant, then we will end up easily falling into that trap of, you know, 
um, there's many ways to experience God. Or, you know, you, you, you can do whatever you want if you're a Christian. You know, once yeah. you're saved, you know, forget what Paul says in Romans. Once you're saved, um, just keep on sinning. Yeah, and all almost the more. a progressive Christian, of course, there's, as we said, there's many different forms, but a progressive Christian could say, like, well, I, I just imagine a progressive Bible study and somebody saying, well, I just don't really agree with what Paul wrote in Galatians. Yeah. You yeah. know, like, can you yeah. imagine us, like, having a Bible study and just, like, I just don't think Peter was right when he said yeah. that. Yeah. Uh, Francis Chan has an awesome quote saying, "If I come into if I read scripture and I think that something is wrong, I have to assume that I'm the one that's wrong." Oh, for sure. You know, it, if we ever come to scripture and say, "Ah, that's wrong," then we have to check ourselves yeah. because before you wreck yourself, yeah, yeah because yourself we're the one that's before wrong. Before you wreck mm. yourself. That's, that's a good quote. Reading the Bible. Hey. Check yourself before you wreck yourself. That's your hum moment for the day. <laughs> Check yourself before you wreck yourself. That's good. <laughs> I don't think there's any, um, and maybe it's more individuals in our area. I, I know of some individuals that kind of almost slide towards progressive Christianity, which it's hard to pinpoint. Uh, it's not like, uh, what I'm trying to say is you don't see, hey, this is progressive Baptist or progressive church or you know what I'm saying like mm. this is second progressive church we don't see or do you guys know of any progressive churches just in our area uh, I don't think that I, I know, know of any. any and there might not be. I mean we're in the Bible Belt really what was your question do you know of any progressive churches that you know of that are in our area uh, like that you could pinpoint like oh they they actually say no we're progressive church yeah no that's and that's the thing like a, a progressive church isn't going to come out right and say they're a progressive church yeah. not right now I, now I would in the say west coast 15, yeah, there are maybe. some but like right here um it's, it's not but like, there's also a danger and this isn't just progressivism there there's a danger within conservative churches where they're so concerned with like the right side of the political aisle yeah. that you know, I would say in our area, there's churches that aren't necessarily progressive, but are so concerned with conservatism mm. that they neglect what Scripture has to say. Oh in, yeah, for sure. In pursuit of their own political and um, philosophical ideology of of the right side of the political yeah. aisle. Um, yeah. So, but yeah, you know, we're talking about why progressivism is wrong, but the the opposite could be said too. If if you are ultra conservative then it's very easy for you to neglect the truth of Scripture Right, as well. and with conservatives, they can fall into the trap of, you know, we all grew up in church of traditionalism. Yeah. That, you know, why do we do this? Well, we've always done it. Well, is this what Scripture says? I don't know. We've just always done it. I, I think the best the best refutation of, of ultra-conservatives um, is the King James Bible. Um, you know, uh, you'll hear from a lot of people, the King James Bible is the only translation to read. Don't, don't you know, if, if you're not reading the King James Bible, then you're wrong. You're reading something that isn't scriptural. Well, in truth, the King James Bible is the most inaccurate translation. They, the King, King, King James Bible translated the Greek and Hebrew texts back in 1607, I believe. I got to look that up to be sure. But at that time, the Dead Sea Scrolls hadn't been found. There was really like only two manuscripts that were that had the full Bible, like and and those manuscripts were like not very old, so they weren't they, they weren't as accurate as as the older manuscripts that we found in the last four hundred years since the translation of the King James Bible. So there are parts of the King James that just really aren't accurate translations because they're translations of manuscripts that are like 800 
that that are um, not nearly as old as the manuscripts we have now. Um, I'll, g- I'll give you an example um, of another thing that they did that, that really has impacted culture within King James is the word Lucifer, the, the term Lucifer for Satan, is a transliteration of a Latin word. And so there is no, in, in the Hebrew text, there is no naming of Satan as Lucifer. Satan is never named Lucifer in Hebrew or Greek. Blow you what mind. happens is in huh. what is called hmm. the Latin Vulgate, um, which is the Latin. <laughs> you little it's... Latin Vulgate, you. <laughs> it sounds like an insult. Voldemort. <laughs> yeah. That's what I think of when I hear Latin Vulgate. I heard. Dude, I quit being such a Vulgate. Yeah. Um, it, which is just it's the Latin translation of of the Bible. Um, they the term Lucifer. So so. The word, the Hebrew word Halil, is the word that references morning star, bright morning star. Um, the term Lucifer comes from the Latin term for morning star. And then when the King James Version took that text in Ezekiel or Isaiah, I can't remember where it's at, um, and was translating morning star, instead of saying morning star, like our modern translations had, they just said Lucifer. And so that name stuck, as Lucifer is the name for Satan. But that's not really biblically accurate. There, we don't really have a name for Satan. Satan wasn't named in the Hebrew. Um, we named him by a mistransliteration of the King James. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of other examples that can be made, too. Um, but the thing is, when you are an ultra-conservative and you're saying, you know, King James is the only way to go, that's just one example of you putting your own ideology into your faith and refusing to, like, bend on that and, and saying, like, you know, I believe this about Scripture instead of saying Scripture indicates what I believe. Mm-hmm. Um so, I always so, thought, yeah. just from a, my <clears throat> logical side of my faith, there's really no necessarily like proof of it. But I always thought when people said uh, King James is the only way, I always think like, why would God have allowed all 200 different English translations to be made if that was the only way? Yeah, that's what I always think. Like, would He have really let the NIV, the ESV, the C, you know, all of those be made if the King James was the only one? Yeah. That's what I always think. I mean, I know we as humans can screw things up, but would he have allowed... I mean, how many are there just English translations, not to mention all the other languages? There's like a hundred different translations or some crazy. Would all of those be... Would have, uh, you know, would all of those have happened had King James been the only translation? That's what I always think. My logical side of my brain is like, God would not have allowed all these other translations if the King James was the only true one. Yeah, and I'm not saying King James... is God really limited to one translation? Yeah. Well, that's the thing. Like, I'm, I'm not saying King James. King James was foundational for reform, for the Reformation. You know, right. that was, you know, that was kind of the first step in saying the Bible and and our faith is for everyone because it was written in the language of the people. It was no longer going to be um, given to the people in Latin. <laughs> the issue was the King James arose from arose from political tension. Um, King James issued that the Bible be written because he was trying to exert his power over the church, over the Pope. The Pope didn't want it. He wanted it. So he exerted his power by demanding it be written. And what ended up happening is there's little translation issues where in order to assert his political ideology, 
he had the translators not necessarily mistranslate, but kind of translate in a way that helped him out a little bit. Mm. So it's not like a an incorrect interpretation, but it's not the correct interpretation yeah. or the correct translation. Um, and and the, you know I'm not going to name them, but th- there's a lot of those kind of instances. Um, and, and, but the the point I'm making is to stand on on this translation is like progressivism. It's inserting your own views into your faith you know progressive we conservatives will get on progressives for saying well you you guys are are misinterpreting scripture you you are used you are um putting your own ideology into your faith well (laughs) if you're saying king james is the only scripture then you're doing the same thing Mm -hmm. um and, and there's other instances as well that that happens not just with reference to the King James, that's just an example. But so both both issues are are dangerous, slippery slopes to fall into. Yeah. And, and in any way, anytime the, especially when we look at progressive Christianity, one of the biggest problems is the lowered view of Scripture. And anytime there's a lower view of Scripture, you know that there's going to be a, a misconceived way of way of truth. Uh, that truth is not going to be foundational. It's going to just kind of be up for grabs uh, any time that there is that lowered view uh, of the Bible. And that's what makes uh, that's what makes Christianity so, I, I think for me, that's what makes Christianity so awesome. to, to And so it gives me so much confidence to serve the God that I serve because of the, the truth in Scripture uh, and, and that being my guidance and that being my light and that being my path that, that guides me. But when we allow, as we talked about postmodernism last week, when we allow so many different truths, uh, then in reality, there's not going to be any truth at all because we're allowing in so many different truths. And go ahead, Micah. So would a postmodernist often be a progressivist? Is that a word? Progressivist? I would I would say so because within yeah. progressivism... Or is that like know, a square and rectangle thing? Uh, I, I wouldn't say it's square and a rectangle. Go? I, I'd say they overlap because okay. um, like... For example, so, like that second point that the progressive Christianity said, there's more than one way to God, yeah. which would assume that there is more than one truth. And a postmodern right. would agree, and a with, that. Would agree yeah. with that. Yeah, yeah. I, I just, yeah, that's why I was just curious if, uh, if you know, I mean, I guess you could say, yeah, I'm a postmodernist, but I'm not a progressive. You know, I guess you could claim. Of course, you're yeah. postmodernist. You could claim really whatever you wanted, but exactly. Um, you know, it kind of goes into the whole the whole thing, and we talked about that last week, but. Yeah, just kind of interesting how these. Um, I would say progressivism is more of an ideology, whereas postmodernism is a philosophy. Mm. Um, post progressivism is considered a political philosophy, but it's more of an ideology. So a postmodernist would potentially have a progressive ideology within their religion or their faith. Yeah, I would okay. say so. So the. Progressivism is what a postmodernist might believe, as opposed to what they were. You know, you if, would, if you were you a Christ, potentially, if you're a postmodern, if you're a postmodernist and you're a Christian, you would be a progressive Christian. Okay, cool. I, I, I would just say, trying yeah. to clarify for those at home. Yeah, and I if you're if myself. you're wondering, <laughs> you could kind of point out when the first progressive Christian began. Um, and Thomas Jefferson, ironically, oh, Tommy. One, of, one of our founders. Yeah. Um, have you all ever heard Didn't of the he have Jefferson Bible? The Jefferson Bible. I have yeah. not. 
So um, I don't believe so. Thomas Jefferson did not believe in the supernatural power of Jesus. So on, he Tommy. took his New Testament, cut out, literally cut out with a razor and scissors to remove all of the small squares of text where a miracle of Jesus was recounted. And that's called the Jefferson Bible. It's actually on um, display in which... So if you cut out all the supernatural, then what's the point? Is it just a history book? Like... I guess. Uh, like, what, what would be his well, point in even it's keeping this, one? It's in the Smithsonian National National Museum of American History. That Bi- his Bible is displayed there. That's but interesting. He was kind of the first progressive. This I kind of would want to see that. I mean, not not because I like. Oh, that's interesting. I believe that, but I just would be interesting to see the what he cut out. Yeah, just to see. <laughs> like, like, you would get a copy like of it in, yeah. in 1895. <laughs> That was published. Like someone took wow. what his view of it was and published it. I don't want to um, like fund it, but you know, I, no, I but see yeah, it. I just want to like see the, the to see what it is. That I want to see the one he did. Yeah, you know? yeah, that's yeah. We can take a trip. That's what we'll do. We'll do tonight. a trip. We'll go tonight to the Smiths. We'll sneak in the Smiths. Drive all the way up to our DC. Wives, I don't want to go to DC anytime. <laughs> night at the museum. I don't know if we can get in. Or <laughs> I don't know. It looked pretty safe yesterday. Were they? Yeah, there was. I don't think anybody was there. Oh. It, I really? Mean, yeah, they had. Fe- I mean, they, they had, had fences because of the Capitol away. thing. I think. Yeah. So did they have? Ago. Was anyone at the inauguration yesterday? I don't think there were spectators. They're... Or if they were, they were like hundreds of yards away. That's what from... I think. I mean, just what I saw pictures, it didn't look like. I don't know how many people. I didn't even watch any of it. I don't I'm, think they were I'm probably so going to really yeah. let anybody gather. I think that. Yeah. I kind of figured that they were like, eh, you know, we're just. Gonna... I'd, someone had said, and I I don't know if this is true or not. I haven't really done. I haven't read any political news within the last like three weeks. I'm sick of it. But someone told me You're that. You're sick. Why are you here? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, someone told me that uh, Biden was scared to go out there because he was afraid he was going to get assassinated. Um, I don't know. Is that true? I, I mean, that's I wouldn't enough. doubt it, but yeah, like, I would be scared if I, I Well, know. no. So there was a, a guy got arrested five or six days ago in D.C., coming into D.C., and he had... And, some sort of rifle and like 500 rounds of ammo. What? So he got arrested, clearly. Yeah. Um, and I th- so I'm, I'm, it's potentially um, because of that maybe was, yeah. was you know, when, when you know, you, as a president, I'm sure there's always a fear of an assassination or as a high official. Because, but after everything that But after happened, all of that happened yeah. and they literally arrested a dude that had 500 rounds of ammunition with an assault rifle or some sort of rifle, yeah. I, I'm sure that, that yeah. fear probably was escalated a little bit. So any, I can't say I blame him. And, it's, to use. and, you know, to be honest, it's sad. And it it's sad, sad that any president, yeah. I don't care who it is, it's sad that, that our leaders have to worry about that, that, right. that, that it's a real threat. And, and it's... Uh, well, that just kind of shows the political divide we're yeah. talking about, that just I the just can't ideological imagine. divide, oh, yeah. that I'm right, you're wrong, I'm willing to go to war with it. Right. And that's not just... It's unhealthy. View. I just you know, can't imagine being so right, involved in politics to the point of where I would risk, one, even in a selfish manner, risk spending life in jail to kill someone over it. Yeah. And two, the fact that I would bring myself to the point of wanting to kill someone. Oh, exactly. Over That's... something, over a disagreement of beliefs. I just can't. It's crazy. I don't know. It's crazy. In, in political belief. I mean, it's just, I just don't understand. I don't know. That's just me. I've never been a big politics guy to begin with. Well, um, for, for the sake of this podcast, I mean, we're kind of talking about both progressivism and conservatism. Yeah. Which are both. <laughs> Conservatism is a political ideology as well, mm-hmm. um, but what's happened is, um, I, w- I would say conservatism is more steeped in in religion because it's basically the stance that scripture is inerrant. Um, but 
both have kind of taken center stage in politics. Um, and so what ends up happening is if you're a progressive Christian, you're bringing the left aisle of politics into your faith. If you're a conservative Christian, you're often bringing... Um, I'd say this happens left with con- less with conservatism than with progressivism, but you're often bringing a conservative fi- political ideology into your faith. Mm-hmm. Both are wrong. I mean, we shouldn't be bringing any sort of political ideology. You know, we're Christians are called to be apolitical. Um, we're called to be separate from 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 uh, the world, and politics is just entering the world. Um, so. Yeah, I, I, there's a um, the Church of Christ um, denomination, specifically the Southern Churches of Christ. There's there's kind of a, a split between the Church of Christ of the North and the Church of Christ of the South. They mm-hmm. kind of hold themselves differently, um, but the Church of Christ of the South specifically will not have flags in their sanctuary. They will not have an American flag in your in their sanctuary. Do you all have, a, in, in the Baptist Church, do you have an American flag in your sanctuary? I don't even know, to be yeah. honest. I know Maybe. we do. We always did, like, growing up, I think I think we do. Yeah, I know, I know the Christian church <laughs> we, does. We've got them, and we put them out during I know we have them, Memorial like, Day and, like, and like Veterans Day. So we, we keep ours out all the time. Um, we just the, don't have room on our, our stage. Yeah. It's kind of closed in. Yeah. So. The Church of Christ won't have it ever. Um, and I, you know, quite frankly, I, I think I agree with that view. Uh, you know, I would rather not have any flags. How do you feel about some. having, uh, there's, I saw one church, I saw this conversation on a, a ministry Facebook group. One church has all the flags of the missions they support in different countries. That. How do you feel oh, about like that? Oh, like the flag of that country. I don't like, know. Because like that, that's cool. that's interesting because it is a reminder of our call to reach all the nations. That's, that that's we're how not, I think of it. I like that, that. that we're it's not, not like appraising the country. Our, yeah. It's a reminder of what flag is that? Uganda. Oh, that's right. We, yeah. we, we have, give. Yeah. We have, a, we have that mission. And That'd be cool. The issue with putting an American flag in the sanctuary, it draws this assumption that because we're in America, we're somehow now God's chosen people, that America has replaced yeah. Israel, when in reality, the church has I think, replaced Israel. I think it's perspective, too, because I think one could look at it like that, Garrett, and I think you're right, and I think that would be a, a poor view of it. Um, but I think one could also look at it as being thankful that we live in a yeah, country I where agree. we have and, the religious freedom. Yeah. Right. And, and so it's not yeah. an idol of, of say... Oh, we are the chosen people because we live in America. But to say, I'm thankful for the flag. I'm thankful for the the Americans. Yeah, that's the big thing that, that have the religious died freedom. Serving yeah, and, and, and so that we can have religious. And that's freedom. why I, it's not like I've, but I've. It's a challenge because, like you yeah. said, too many would all of a sudden that line gets blurred with we it are is. the chosen people. And, and I've said before, like I, there's some hills that I will stand on that I say I'm not moving this hill. This is the hill I'm willing to King of the know, hill, man. die on, dude. King. Um, as the, a kid, King of the Hill, <laughs> yeah. that was the goat game. Having Broken the, arms and legs, <laughs> worth it. Having the American flag in, in service isn't one of those hills. No. Um, I have a personal view on it. I would rather not have it there, but it's not something that yeah. I'm I'm willing to yeah I, I to stand on. Um, but it's just <laughs> interesting be, to me that would be that a hard hill to stand on in <laughs> Bible Belt too. Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. Oh, yeah. And and that's not you'd to say a, you know you'd have a fight on your hands. Like exactly. <laughs> that's not to say that a, that Americans shouldn't vote. That America that that Christians that Christians shouldn't vote. That Christians shouldn't get involved with politics. Um, mm-hmm. I'm I'm just saying that when we bring the world into our worship, 
that's when you end up, whether it's conservative or progressive, that's when you end up bringing a political but ideology we should, into our faith. Or we some should. kind of idolatry. Yeah. yeah. We should bring our worship into the world, though. Yes, exactly. Yeah. That's how so, we usually have it backwards. We bring yeah. the world into our worship instead so, of bringing and, the worship into the world. And I think that's why originally the flag was there, is they're saying we're bringing our worship into the world. But what it's ended up becoming is we're bringing the world into our worship. Mm. Um, so it's kind of took that flip. Um I I don't know. Um, Hit that flip, boy. But either either way, the other thing that I think Church of Christ does that's interesting in the South is the stage is behind everyone else. So everyone's facing an empty stage. Um, The people that lead worship are standing behind you so that they don't get the focus. They'll lead the song and they'll lead the singing, but everyone's basically staring at a cross instead of staring at a stage full of people. That's interesting. So it kind of forces Can you imagine... Uh, how does the preacher? Do they go in the back too? See, I don't. I don't know about that. I've wondered that as well. It feels like if you're going to do it for the worship, might as well right. do it for the preacher. Because it would be the same like concept. It's contradictory if you don't. But. Yeah. Have you ever? Um, I can't remember who it was. I watched. I mean, there's hundreds of them, but I'm sure thousands. But I've seen. I was watching a sermon one time of a guy that was in the middle of a like an arena, like so, like you think like a boxing ring, like it all surrounds. Yeah. Can you imagine how hard that would be to preach on that? Because like I want, yeah, I like oh, to make you're eye constantly turning, and on. yeah, I feel like I would just be like you know like a rotisserie there's, chicken, you know, just like hey, spinning. I've, there's some Methodist churches that have That'd basically hard, it's like a 90 degree angle church. So what happens is you have one sanctuary. You can't see this in the podcast, but just imagine we got to get the video podcast yeah, there's, there's like an L, like right, an L. There's a stage, yep, and then there's pews in front, and then there's pews directly to your right as wow. well. So the people on the right can't Are, see the people on one side. So it's almost like you're preaching. And I've been at a church where I've uh, preached. Excuse me. It was so hard. And so usually, you, so they, there's a wall that divides? like It's almost like, so it's just like 90 degrees and then there's a there's a wall so you can't see anybody. Oh, Why do they do it? Well, so what happens is usually the minister or, I don't know, I guess he's called still the minister in the Methodist, um, but his podium is in the corner. Uh, and it's this huge podium. But what I did, and they'll do the worship on the stage, but what I did, the podium was so huge, and I like to walk around when I speak. I spoke on the stage. So I would I would preach straight, and then I would turn 90 degrees to the right and preach, and then I would preach straight. Wow. So I was just, it was so crazy, but it worked. That's wild, man. <laughs> it was very wild. I've never seen a church like that. But anyway, yeah. I thinking of that, that in the same regard, how awkward would both of those be? Oh yeah. So you have a little bit of an insight. So now add two more, you know, angles. Yeah. And be, be able to do a full three sixty. <laughs> you get dizzy. Man, that's wild. <laughs> um, but those, of course, are like when they're you know like at the conferences when there's like thirty thousand people there. Exactly. You know, they're in like rep arena or something. But, hey, I, I would be okay with it. It'd be fun. <laughs> oh, I mean, I would, it would be cool. Of course, I'd probably freak out because right? you know I'd be worried about people looking. You know, behind me, and like, is my shirt tucked in weird? Or oh, you know, I know. Like, <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's man. funny. Hey, if we let's finish with, you know, we talked about. I asked the question: Have y'all seen any progressive churches in our area, uh, in Kentucky, or even more southern? And is there probably, any conservative church? Sorry. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you going. probably I'm can sorry. guess, but I think I see it a lot more in individuals mm. uh, you can see by what they post on facebook or or maybe even friends you have you can kind of see their ideas uh going down that way and, and i think it's just a danger that we need to watch out for do you want to go over those five things that occur in progressive churches? oh yeah i think it'd be a good idea so a list just so we can kind of look yeah. people can look out for them yeah it's a good yeah. idea we're gonna go so it's a, there's an article online by Alyssa childers uh, she is an apologist 
Um, is she related to Tyler Childers? Yeah, I mean, might be. <laughs> uh, but she is very good. She's actually one of the I'll call uh, her main her. speakers on the American Gospel. If you've watched that, and but she has a really good. Um, article that she actually was in a church that started going to progress towards progressivism and her and her husband had to bounce. Uh, but she gives five really good, and we'll go over them real quick. We've kind of touched on most of them, um, but five things that you can watch out for to see if your church or someone you know is kind of shading more towards a progressive Christianity and things you can watch out for, whether you can help that person or maybe get out of that church. And the first thing is we really touched on this is that there's a lowered view of the Bible. Um, yeah. The Bible is just a human book. Uh, the the Bible is not absolute truth. It's not inspired, God breathed out. You yeah. hear someone saying, "I disagree right. with Paul," or "I disagree exactly. with." <laughs> yeah. uh, that's number one. Number two is this one is I, I think big, and I see this one probably more than number you one. See, you see this one just in normal conversation. Exactly. Someone says, sometimes I you feel see this, like sometimes yeah. you see this in your Sunday school group, uh, and it's good for us to watch out, or maybe in our youth group, small groups. I feel. Uh, and what it is is feelings are emphasized over facts, uh, and I'm sure you guys have seen that, Mike. I'm sure you've seen it in youth group. Nah, uh, nah. Yeah. I really they don't feel have feelings. <laughs> Middle schoolers and high schoolers are pretty neutral. They and, don't have and feelings. And I like what she she puts comments you might hear if someone is leaning yeah, this way. And there's one of them where, or a couple of them that are really good. She says you might hear someone say that Bible verse doesn't resonate with me, or I, I don't really feel what that's saying. Or you might hear someone say, I thought homosexuality was a sin until I befriended someone who's gay. Like yeah. you're just like, I feel like it's not anymore. So like, um, the, the Bible is only true if you feel like it's true. Yeah. Um, or I just can't believe Jesus would send good people. I yeah. love that one, dude. Yeah. I love, yeah. We're doing a, we're doing a series called, I don't know. It's IDK with students here in a few weeks. And one of them talks about that. Oh, that'd be um, good. And one of those questions, like, you know, how, Which how is come, a tough one. How come bad things happen to good people? But yeah. the point that this lesson makes is no one's good. You look at Scripture, no one's good. Yeah. We're, we're all sinners and falling short of the glory of God. Exactly. How do you all approach the doctrine of hell when you're talking to someone Separation about from God for eternity. Yeah. So yeah. I, I have actually look... Um, C.S. Lewis calls it a mercy from God, that it, it's part of God's merciful nature that... Um, he says, "You people that don't have Christ's spirit within them can't withstand God's presence. So He has compassion on them and separates them from Him. Um, so it's it's a that, judgment, that's kind of scary, but also it? a mercy. Yeah, um, it's it's really interesting. Have you ever read The Great Divorce? Yeah, that was. I've uh, got it on my list. It's really I, cool. I read that book and then I thought." What the crap did I just read? <laughs> I thought I think it's one of C.S. Lewis's greatest books. Do you have it? Man, it's yeah, good. Yeah, I need to go back it's and read it It's a really good book because it's like, it, it's it's a fiction, um, but it kind of shows his ideology, or his, not ideology, his, um, his theory on heaven and hell, that heaven is this ultimate place where it is the exact, like, um, the way to, to explain it is hell is... Um, like a blade of grass in comparison to heaven. Wow. So like um, they, these people are taken out of hell and get a chance to be redeemed in heaven, and they literally come out of a blade of grass and grow into the fullness of heaven, mm. but they can't walk on the grass because the grass doesn't bend under their feet because mm. they're just incapable of withstanding the, the presence of God within heaven. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's kind of, see, it's, it's interesting. That um, is interesting. But, but I think the point that I'm trying to make here is, you know, to say that 
Jesus sends good people to hell or to say that why would a good God allow people to go to hell is an oversimplification of well, the sovereignty of God. Well, and just like a kind of final thought with that, he could just send us all to hell. True. Because we're not deserving, but yeah. yet he gives us an opportunity. Yeah. So that's where I, that's usually what I kind of say, you know, like how come he would send... Well, he didn't send them to hell. He gave them an opportunity, you know. Yeah, it's, it's almost like the the question should be reversed. Like, right. why should I go to heaven? Like, I'm Exactly. Up, you know? yeah. Why should bad people get to go to heaven? Yeah. Well, because it, of the cross, right? Yeah. So number three uh, is essential Christian doctrines are open for reinterpretation. Um, so, you know, thinking about things like the resurrection of Jesus doesn't have to be factual to speak truth. Or the Trinity that, right. you know, God isn't three in one or, um, um, you know. Yeah, or that, speaking of hell, the idea of a literal hell is offensive to non-Christians and needs to be reinterpreted. Yeah, which is a big one. Like, progressive Christians will say, if it's offensive to other people, then it can't be true. Like, they're so, progressive Christians are often so concerned with social plight that they are willing to adapt their faith in order to fit the needs of people Mm. instead of bringing people to the church. Um so yeah, that they're in a, a progressive Christian, like we said, would often have a postmodernist view, right. and their truth quotation marks yeah. is that um, social issues are more important yeah. than biblical um, facts Just, or biblical. Yeah. And I think this stems from their low lower yeah. view oh, of yeah. the Bible. Mm-hmm. That Absolutely. you know, Jesus talks about hell a lot. Uh, Jesus mentions hell. Jesus knows. I mean, he mentions a lot that there's going to be judgment. So, uh, t- to, it's almost funny that like progressive Christianity, they're, they're, they're like, oh, we just want to be loving and accept everybody. But do you see how unloving you are to be to not tell them of where they might go? Um, That's, I've heard someone say how yeah. much you have to hate someone. Yeah, to like to not tell them the truth. Exactly. You know, like, how much you have to hate someone to allow them to go to hell? Basically, yeah. In progressive they, Christianity, it looks all good on the outside, and a lot of people are joining into it, and people from outside the church are coming into it because they're like, oh, how shallow. You know, yeah, what, this looks, what Mike has that expression yeah. um, when it's uh, an inch deep and a mile yeah. wide. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, oh, they accept Quote, everybody. Jason Bucky Walters. Oh. Uh, and some people actually, I think they're blind blindsided by it because they look like, oh, this church is actually really loving people because they're accepting all of our views, when in reality, it's almost like they're hating everybody because they're not telling them yeah. the truths in Scripture. Yeah. Uh, and Earthly acceptance. Yeah. yeah. They're gonna... Which kind of brings you to number four. Historical terms are redefined. One of the comments she says you might hear is, it's our job to talk to anyone about... It's not our job to talk to anyone about sin. It's our job to just love them. Well, if you love someone... <laughs> That isn't a Christian. You're you, true. You talk yeah. to them about what Scripture yeah. says. Um, that doesn't mean you start with, "Hey, you're a sinner. Hey, you 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 are evil." Right. It, well, you look at look at how you, you start well, look with at what Jesus and, did yeah. with with the woman at the well. Exactly. He goes up to her and then shows know, her kindness. We told her before, but the chosen, the scene in chosen yeah. is awesome. Oh man! But yeah. he he is like loving on her and like, "Hey, I've got this living water for you. you yeah. know, you'll drink and never be thirsty again." And she's like, "What are you talking about, crazy dude?" And she like goes to walk away, and in the chosen, the, the the you know the the visualization of it, she goes to walk away, and he starts like naming all of the yeah. men that yeah. she's been with, and she's like, what? in order to show her love, and then he says, now yeah. go and sin no more. You yeah. know, he's like, and now now that I've shown you that I love you and I want something better for you, now hey, you've been doing wrong. Let's not do that anymore. Yeah, that- and then she sees. He actually loves me, knows me. This isn't a which, judgment, you know. Which is interesting. You know, a progressive Christian will say it's okay to live in sin because, you know, <laughs> it's funny. Paul says in Romans, 
in in the very beginning of Romans, Great. he refutes the yeah. fact that there was this grow. It's called um oh shoot, what is the name? Oh, um, darn. Can't remember. Yeah, I, I can't think of. He's it. talking about when he's talking about like grace expounds. Yeah, and... so so there there's this view, and I can't remember the the name for it, but this view that the more you sin, the more you receive yep. grace. So it's okay to keep sinning. Keep sinning. And yeah. at the very mm-hmm. opening Paul's of like, Romans, nah. Paul's like, "No, yeah, that's no. not true. That's absolutely like, no, false. Absolutely, actually, you should <laughs> stop sinning because of that yeah. truth. Yeah, and and yet today we say it's okay to sin because grace just keeps coming yeah. in. But if that were true, Jesus wouldn't have looked at the woman that he forgave and said, go and sin no more. Yeah, he would have said, hey, <laughs> enjoy your life. Yeah. You're, you're yeah. saved. Yeah, Yeah. so, yeah. So, yeah. And, and the other thing about historical terms redefined that I find really interesting, um, one of the comments she says that you often hear for people with this view is, Sure, the Bible is authoritative, but we've misunderstood it for the first two thousand years of church history. Yeah, like, okay, <laughs> like uh, some of the greatest theologians yeah, ever lived yeah, yeah. just happened, and of course that happens sometimes. But just the great minds we've had well, for the, the past centuries that if you, know, you want a biblical, accurate view, you go back to the as close as you can to the event. Right. So, like our most authoritative people are going to be those that were closest to the actual event that took place. So like like Justin Martyr or um Ignatius. Or, or Ignatius, yeah. Polycarp. Polycarp. Those are the man, you're naming them oh, out. Good job. <laughs> those are like Augustine. Well, Augustine was four hundred. You named two guys that were like really they were John's far back disciples. there. Yeah. Um Clement. Um those are guys that were um I didn't know that. way back there. Hey, shout out to Harold so. Hescock on the five minutes of church history yeah, book you got me for Christmas. There you go. <laughs> hey, there you one go. chapter two, and that was chapter two. So. <laughs> <laughs> that is awesome. Ignatius <laughs> was martyred. He was yeah. like one of well. He was man, he so was he one was of the first a he would have been a disciple of the disciple of Paul. Do you know what Polycarp did? Do you guys know the story on Polycarp? No. He was put basically in like a Roman like arena or whatever, and mm. they were like so they had a bunch of Christians behind him. And they said, you have to turn around and say, be gone, atheists. And so, like, the whole this whole movement was getting Christians to denounce Christianity and join the, you know, the, what do they call it, the Roman... Which, in order to preface this, you have to know that <laughs> the initial charge of Christianity against the Roman people were that Christians were atheists. Yeah, they, so they <laughs> called, they called Christians God. atheists. They were atheists because they didn't Talk follow the Pantheon. Oh. And so they said to Polycarp, <laughs> and they had, of course, the audience of Romans, and like they were watching it. It was an event. And they were he if he would denounce the Christians, they'd kill the Christians, and then he would walk out. And so they said, so you need to turn around, point at all of them, say, be gone atheists. And so instead of turning around, Polycarp pointed at the audience and said, be gone atheists. And they martyred him that day. Hard. Yeah. That dude is a man. Yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> and so, it's, anyway, it, it had nothing know, to do with anything. But, I just going to no, flex here's my the knowledge thing, a little bit. It does have, because like, if you say historical terms need to be redefined, you don't care about that. Yeah. You don't care about the foundation that our faith is built upon. Exactly. Polycarp which, means many right. fish, by the way, which is just a funny name to have. That's his, well, that's his real <laughs> It literally means many fish, yeah. Hmm, many fish. So hopefully Polycarp was a... Fisherman. You know, fisher of many, many men. Fish yeah. <laughs> uh, right. Also, it's a Pokemon, I think. <laughs> it is. <laughs> no, it's Magikarp. You're right. Number five is, and I think this one is actually probably hidden more than the rest, uh, and it's sometimes maybe harder to find, yeah. is the heart of the gospel message shifts from sin and redemption to social justice. And I think the problem with that is that 
what people are missing in progressive Christianity is that the good news is that, hey, we were messed up, but guess what? Jesus come and saved us. And, and their good news is almost just, hey, Jesus, Jesus has come to show us how to love people. Exactly. Yeah. And, and how to be there for those in need, which those things are good, and we are called to do that. But if we change the gospel... Well, that kind of connects back to what we read in that progressivechristianity.org post where it said um, Jesus teaches us. Jesus is a teacher. Yeah. He's not God incarnate. If he's not God incarnate, then you can't really believe that Jesus came to be the propitiation of our sins. Oh, big um, word. He, big he, word. <laughs> That's going to be on Church on Phonics. Yeah. Uh, our next uh, shout out. Foreshadowing. If you don't believe that God, Jesus is... <laughs> God incarnate, then Jesus doesn't have the redemptive power to save us. He is just someone that teaches us how to care and love people. Um, so, that, you know, if you notice that people are saying more, talking more about how Jesus shows us how to be uh, lovers and to bring social justice and less about Jesus bringing redemption to all of humanity, then you might be shifting towards that direction. So... I want to close with my my last words with two pieces of scripture. John 3:16 and 17. And then John 14:6, which I know Christian quoted earlier, but I think it's important to quote it again in line with John 3:16 yeah. and 17. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him, I read that again. That whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but to save the world through him. And then John 14, 6, as Christian said earlier, it says Jesus is talking, and he said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And so I know many of you listeners probably know John three sixteen, and at this point you probably know John 14, 6, because we said it like four times in the last two podcasts. But wrap your minds around those truths. Um, as far as in the, in the light of postmodernism and progressivism, Jesus says if you, have, if you believe the Bible... Um, is holy, you believe it's God's living and breathing word. We cannot say that, believe that. And like Garrett has said before, it would be a contradiction to say that there's more than one way. If we believe the Bible is holy, living and breathing, ordained by God, and then to say there's more ways to get to him than through Jesus, that's uh, a contradiction. Um, and, you know, Jesus says, I, I am the way, the truth, and life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And to prove that, God sent his son into the world, his only son, to die so that we would not perish, but we would live with him. That's good. That's all I've got, man. That's good stuff. I've run out of uh, information. Polycarp <laughs> and John 3.16. That's good stuff. That's all stuff. I got. Hey, if you would like to read more into this, uh, remember this was from Alyssa Childers. Her name is A-L-I-S-A, so like Alisa Childers, and it might be pronounced Elise, I don't know. Um, but her article is Five Signs Your Church Might Be Heading Towards Progressive Christianity. Uh, this was written back in 2017, but still very good. Uh, yep. We encourage you to check. There's probably more you could look for that as out. well. Hey, but, let's finish with this. Let's finish with something fun. Um, what, oh, do you guys, what do you guys Go ahead. No, go ahead. I, I, th- oh, I got it. I what, think I know what you're going to say. I, I, do it. You might be disappointed. Do it. What are you guys watching right now? Was that what you was thinking? Well, what I'm watching <laughs> is the NFL playoffs. Oh, boy. Chiefs, Bills. We'll go real quick. You're, we'll going, go you're going, um, you have old versus new. Because whoever wins between Brady. Chiefs, Bills is the young guns. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and Brady so, and Rodgers. Chiefs, Bills, who you got? Just quick, real Chiefs, quick. Bills, I, I got the Chiefs, but I'm cheering for the Bills. Okay. I got Chiefs. Uh, I'm going to say 
I can't. I won't caveat. I did it on the JCC podcast. I'll just go Chiefs. I I did say Bills win if Mahomes doesn't play, but. He had a concussion. He's in concussion. Ooh, I didn't know that. But I'll still say Chiefs because Henning's actually not bad. Their backup is actually pretty good. Of course, it's behind Mahomes. Anyway, Packers, Buccaneers. Gosh, I want Bucks to win so bad. I want to see Brady win a Super Bowl outside of. Bro, that's funny. Did you all see he uh, Buccaneers first time? Going to the NFC Championship in like forever, and yeah. it's his first year with them. Yeah. Exactly. Like, yeah. here's the thing: I got Packers, I, by the way. I did. I I wouldn't say hate, but I dislike Brady so much on the Patriots. But now he's that he's on the Buccaneers, watch. I love him because no. he's. I mean, he's goat. Like, I Me like. And, but at the same time, I really like. I like Aaron Rodgers. All more. I'll say is he does not look like a 42 year old when he's out there throwing the football. Oh no, he's, I mean, he's throwing out routes to guys that are just like he's gotten younger. Zip on them. He's <laughs> yes. gotten younger. Yeah. It's insane. I th- I still th- I, I think Packers. Green Bay's going to win that game. Defense is strong, but I want I want the Bucks. That uh, Drew uh, Tom Brady's gonna throw two picks. Probably so. Yeah. I will. Say I would this. love to see a Mahomes Brady. Oh Bowl. my gosh! Like, that would that be. Would, just the passing of the yeah. torch would yeah. be. I mean, either way, Rogers Mahomes that would, be, would cool. be cool too because That's it's it. it's basically Mahomes will play in the Super Bowl. And if they get here's there. the thing: yeah. this Concussion is one of the best marks. years I think because either way, who wins? I really like Mahomes as well. I like what the Chiefs are doing. I'm kinda. good with anyone at this point. Yep. But here's the thing. I want to pick a team, and as a Cowboys fan, I never get to cheer for my team in the Super Bowl. <laughs> so I'm going bandwagon Buffalo Bills fan. Bills Mafia. Hey, I'm can I throw you Bucks. through a table if they win? Bills Mafia. Oh, yeah. I'm jumping I'm on this che- table. I'm cheering that would for the Bucks I would say don't do that one. Get one of those bifold plastic tables. That will uh, break. <laughs> yeah, so we're watching the NFL playoffs. Garrett, what are you watching? Uh, I actually just finished a show on Netflix called Lost in Space. Okay. Um, it's based off of a Sounds 1968 like a show. Um, it's a sci-fi show. It's really, it was really good. Their season three is coming out sometime this year. It's the final season. Um, Isabel and I just finished watching that. So right now I'm not watching anything. I just found out, um, for some reason I have AT&T and, I just got an email saying that I have HBO Max for free wow, <laughs> as part of clutch. my like AT and T's um, uh, plan. So we're probably going to start using that now. Yeah, you should and watch some, some stuff, stuff on there. there. But I'm watching WandaVision. What? Oh, I did watch Wanda, that. WandaVision. Was there a new episode that got released? Um, they've had two. Yeah. Uh, number the... three is being released tomorrow. Oh, so Friday. it's every Friday. Yeah, um, I watched the first two. They were pretty yeah, good. Yeah, they were really yeah. They're so interesting. Weird. They're weird. But did you watch all the Easter eggs on YouTube? Mm-mm. All right, look on YouTube. It makes it so much better. Just look up like Easter eggs. Yeah. Uh, and then I think it's like Rockstar YouTube. You can watch that, and it it shows a lot of what's getting ready to happen. See, I I love the MCU, but like Endgame was kind of like I I had been building on the MCU since I was since two thousand nine, I think. Yeah. And Endgame was like what I had been waiting for, yeah. and now I'm just kind of, like, exhausted by it. it like, is. I really wish DC hadn't just butchered there so I could go I back into DC. But, but, hey, Robert Pattinson is about to bring Batman back. Hey, hey, there's a lot of, there's a lot of, um, <laughs> there's a lot of articles that are saying that he's done. That, that, are you serious? Yeah, that he had some falling out with the director. Um, there's a bunch of people. There's a bunch of issues with the set. So there's rumors that he's done. That, I hope that after fake. this movie, he's done. Oh well, at least but, I hope they put out one movie because I think he'll be. Well, they finished filming, as okay, far as I know. Maybe they have to. That's the thing with DCU. There is no structural organization. No like loyalty. it just all falls apart. Hey, speaking of no structural organization, hey, Our thanks podcast. for joining us on the Hub <laughs> Podcast today. Um, as we talked about progressivism, make sure to subscribe. We're on Spotify, of course. You know this if you're listening on Spotify or Apple. 
Uh, we're on both Spotify and Apple. Um, so, and I think Google as well. I think I don't have that, so I think we're on the Google know. Play as well. Um, so, uh, thanks for uh, listening. Make sure to give us a like and subscribe. Uh, tell your friends and family about it if you enjoy it. If not, sorry. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> go find we, something else. We've wasted an hour you of your s- life if you, you don't s- enjoy it. I apologize. To think um, biblically. Yeah, but we enjoy it, so we hope you all do too. So, Chris, you want know, to close that in prayer, my friend? Yeah, yeah. God, go we love you. <laughs> And we just thank you for who you are. God, help us to, to just always cling to your truths, God. God, help us to uh, just follow you and all that we do, God. And we just pray for everybody listening, God. We pray for just a blessing over them, peace over them, God. And we just pray that, uh, God, that these podcasts would, would help them in their thinking, uh, in their higher thinking of who you are and what you've done for uh, them. And Jesus, we love you so much. Amen.